Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Black Baseball Mixtape. I am your host, Sheets. As always, the mixtape is brought to you by the Family Podcast Network. Today is a very, very special day. Let, let me say this. I always come on and start the podcast by thanking the audience for following, subscribing, liking, and moving the Black Baseball Mixtape into relative like normally we we usually crack the top 100 in the apple podcast podcast charts i'm very excited about that very appreciative to everyone that shares it let me tell you but the guest we have today i'm banking that we're gonna top the we're gonna hit the top 100 because we have truly an all-star shakia taylor is an award-winning journalist she's an award-winning editor she's at the chicago tribune uh, she is a avid, passionate baseball fan. She hosts a monthly podcast for the Society for American Baseball Research, ballpark figures that have had some of, I'll tell you, she's already talked to some of the goats. I'm really, really excited. She, in 2001, was the winner of the Society of American Baseball Research Analytics Conference Research Award and the Associated Press Sports Editor Award. She is truly a rock star and one of my favorite, like one of my longtime gets. So I'm so excited to welcome Shakia to the mixtape. Shakia, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> it's always weird when someone is talking about me to me. <laughs> look, look, you deserve it. And I'm so excited to have you on. We were talking about this right before we hit record, but You've been a longtime wish guest for the mixtape simply because just everything that you do, everything that I read is is so awesome. And then when you go and dig into the background, let's call a spade a spade the way that we do on the mixtape. You are a black woman winning awards, writing about baseball. And I think it's just so amazing and so awesome. Talk to me about the beginning of your kind of passion and love for baseball in itself. How did it start? How did you, how did you get to this point? Um, wow. I feel like I've told this story so much over the years that I have like a, a version of it now, like a, a version ready, but I grew up, um, you know, we moved a few times um, when I was young and one of the places that we ended up moving, the last place I should say was Youngstown, Ohio. Um, it's like an hour and a half from Cleveland, um, near Akron. People who are sports fans are probably very familiar with Youngstown. Mm -hmm. um, Jim Trestle, the Stoops family. So mostly for football, though, right? Mm -hmm. okay. Very well known yeah. for football. Um, the but the statue of you know that first handshake with Jackie Robinson that is in Youngstown. Um, absolutely. But we moved there when I was in fifth grade about halfway through fifth grade and the best way to make friends in northeast ohio is to be a sports fan um growing up at that you know that halfway point between chicago and new york and then you're also in between pittsburgh and cleveland there are a lot of very strong sports opinions and baseball was the one place where everyone generally agreed that you were fans of the, you know, the 90s tribe um, who are now the Guardians. And that's that's how it started for me, just being around such passionate young folks who baseball really mattered to them. And it was a fun way to hang out. All the kids played baseball. The kids in my neighborhood played baseball. So it really became like a community sport for me. And when you talk about the 90s tribe, let's let's be clear. You're talking Kenny Lofton, Albert Bell, uh, Manny Ramirez was on that team, right? Is Omar Van Skeller's mm -hmm. that uh, uh, you're talking about those teams in the 90s that was going to the World Series, right? And losing, yes. <laughs> right. No, right. we, we, we can't leave that out. Oh, no, I, it, it was it, those were some amazing, amazing teams. And so. You have this passion. You moved. You're a sports fan. You you start to have this passion for for baseball. How did it turn into a career? How did it become? How did it become writing and being a part of? Look, the the what is it? The fourth estate, the third. One of those estates that you are now. I have to say, and I know um, it's gonna kind of go against what people are taught, and it's 
I just kind of fell into it. Um, I didn't, I didn't, I grew up writing for sure. I wrote constantly. Um, I write in the covers of photo albums and, you know, I write captions to my pictures throughout life back when we, you know, actually had physical photo albums. Um, I've always been into writing. I love reading. Um, my apartment is full of books. Uh, <laughs> I, can, so look, write- I, can look, I can look behind you. It's, those, those are not for show. <laughs> like I, I'm just a, I loved reading and writing, but it wasn't my chosen career at first. Um, I did a couple of things, you know, here and there. I just was kind of a person who always picked up something, got good at it, and walked away from it. Um, that I mean, just being honest. <laughs> and then in I want to say 2015, 2016, I really decided to like just kind of focus on baseball as my pastime as something I did for fun um and I started writing about it in a hey I'm looking for a job so I have all this free time there are no there aren't too many black women in this space like blogging about baseball and ballpark experiences and tweeting about it and I just kind of took it from there it just grew an editor reached out to me and said, hey, you have a mass, a nice little following. Would Mm. you be interested in writing for us? Um, So I started out for the first time I wrote for uh, the Hardball Times, which used used to be a part of Fangraphs. Um, And it went from Fangraphs to Baseball Prospectus to, you know, Yahoo to MLB.com. And I just kind of carved a niche for myself. When I started writing, there wasn't anyone writing about the things I do the way I do. That's no disrespect to other Black writers who are clearly writing in amazing ways. But I think we all bring something very different. Um, and that is, you know, what what keeps us going. So that's how I got into it. It just happened one day. God no, did it. I'm fascinated about this. And, and think back. And, and you're right. You're 100% right. Everybody brings their own kind of technique, special sauce, and things that they're interested in. And I think Mm -hmm. we do that here at BBM as well. In 2023, we're still talking about Black baseball in a way that I feel like a lot of people aren't talking about it and Mm -hmm. and, and the way that intersects with culture and and so forth and so on. Take me back to that time, though. 2015 is not a time where even when you talk to some diehard baseball fans, they're not like, yo, I'm going to pick up on baseball now. (laughs) Um what was it about that time? And tell me a little bit about what was what what were you bringing in your columns and you still bring in your columns that you think is different? Because when I read your pieces, I know they're your pieces, even to this day. Mm-hmm. So w- what is it about kind of your style, what you bring that you think is, is a little bit different? Well, you asked me about 2015, and that was if anyone remembers and they should. That was that weird Cubs run yep. where where they were they were uh, they had gas until they ran up on the Mets. Mm. Um, and I lived I've lived here for twenty years now, but mm. I was here for that, and I got to experience that. And being around a team, and I know this personally now, being around a team who hasn't performed well in a long time, and then suddenly they are red hot, like interest in the Cubs was super high and I have to say I'm not a Cubs fan I'm a Cleveland fan but for (laughs) as long as I lived here at least until 2016 I really enjoyed rooting for the Cubs as my secondary team um because they were local and you know I'm old enough to remember when we couldn't stream a game so 2015 the Cubs are hot 2016 um, I just dived right in, you know, just taking friends to games, going to games with people who had never been before. It kind of became my thing. Like people would want to go to baseball games with me. And I was like, for what? Like, yeah, this is, this is different. Know? This is different. Right. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm just chilling. I'm just doing me, <laughs> right. but that's, that's how it picked up. And what I bring to writing, I think is that is like, mm-hmm. I have that, like, I have that like homegirl vibe. Like people tell me how they want to be my friend. And I think that's so funny. Like just from reading my work or, you know, seeing the random things that I say on Twitter and I'm pretty chill on Twitter. I don't really do too much, you know, 
I just, I think that's what it is, is it's, it's conversational mm -hmm. is my work is conversational. It's relatable. Um, I don't talk too high above the reader. I try to make sure that I'm talking to the reader. And then the other thing is I don't distill my blackness from my work. Mm -hmm. I use rap lyrics mm -hmm. in things. Every person I interview, if I can remember or if the conversation leads to it, I ask who they're listening to mm -hmm. uh, because I find that music is a cultural connector even when other things kind of fail us. So I think that's what I bring. I bring that, I don't know, I'm like everybody's homegirl. That's what I should kind of dub myself as like baseball homegirl. <laughs> I love it. I, I love it. We're getting, we're getting out. somewhere here. We're <laughs> getting find somewhere out. Here. I'm at their ballpark and they like tweet me like, hey, can I come say hi? Yeah, yeah. of course. And you know what I always say? Don't be weird. Like, <laughs> has he know? gotten weird? Has he like has as you has has it has been it some situations weird. where it's gotten weird? Situations <laughs> they do arise. Listen, those Absolutely. situations they arise, and oh you man, know, that's you dope. Do, you do got to be smart about it. And mm. like people have approached me. Some people are very nice. Hi, Shakia. Love your work. They mm. mentioned a specific thing, and I always want to know like, what's your name? Like, what mm. do you like? Like, you know, because. People are approaching me knowing a lot about me. Yeah, <laughs> and kind of, that's kind of weird, about, right? Yeah. That's kind of weird. Okay. And I know nothing about them. So I want them to kind of engage with me. Um, and, you know, I've had times where I've been out, you know, and I'm like, maybe out with a guy mm -hmm. and someone's like, Shakia. And I'm like, see, this isn't the right time. <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> Well, look, you know? let me let me jump ahead when you say that we're going we're gonna to jump back, but I'm going to jump ahead because of what you're talking about right now. You did make an appearance on The Captain, weren't mm -hmm. you? You you made mm -hmm. so you made it. I don't know if that was your television debut, but that was big time <laughs> TV. Uh, we had Randy Wilkins on the podcast as well. He's he's he, My he, cousin, he's a great dude. He's a great dude. Uh was was did it get weirder after you became after you came on TV like that? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh absolutely. Oh yeah. And like look, I don't want oh, anyone listening words. to this to think like fun. don't it's approach fun. her because I am totally uh I am mildly approachable. Like I will be honest. You, you gotta catch me at the right day, right time, right mood. Um but the captain definitely added to that. <laughs> I am far more recognizable to men than women. Uh, I did not know how many men just absolutely idolized Derek Jeter. Yeah, okay. And, I, I'll tell you about this in a second. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I don't want to cut you so, off. like, I go to, if I get invited to a party, it is almost like, okay, how long before someone right. brings up the captain? That's and it's crazy. always a guy, and he's always like, hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know who you are. And That's hilarious. Crazy. That that appearance did wonderful things, you know, sure. for me professionally. Sure. Um, it put me in front of an audience I would have never had. Um, I can tell you another fun, funny sure. thing about it was Derek followed me on Twitter and I wasn't no. And at that point, he was only following like 19 people. That's crazy. But I don't look. I don't have notifications on. I don't check to see who's following me. I don't Bruh. do any of that. So for people who uh. approach me and say, I follow you on Twitter, now you know why I have not followed you back. I do not check. Wow. If you talk to me, I will respond, but I just don't check. Anyway, That's crazy, though. Someone tweets me and they go, congratulations on being one of the 19 people Derek <laughs> Jeter follows. And I was like, what? And so, of course... I went to look and I saw that he followed me, but I had to take a screenshot before I followed him back yeah, just so uh, that I could be like, Derek Jeter followed me. First. Yeah, no. Right? <laughs> I got a like once uh, from Ken Griffey Jr. that had absolutely nothing to do with me. And you know, I know it had nothing to do with me. It had to do with the person I was talking to, but mm -hmm. I didn't care. I'm like, look, I'm screenshotting and be like, look, Griffey, right here. Right. Um, no, it's hilarious because... Um, you know, I'm of a certain age. I'm in my 40s, so I remember, like, 90s baseball in a way that's like Griffey, Bond, uh, Bo Jackson. Like, I remember that stuff. Mm -hmm. But I talked to a lot of younger players. Obviously, we talked to players in the minors, talked to just a lot of – there's just, like, 
And I didn't miss this wave. I was always a baseball fan during this wave. But there is a wave of basically Derek Jeter fandom that's like, as soon as that era, that kind of that Griffey Bonds era went, like, Jeter just filled the void. Basically, for every black baseball fan I have seen. And it's like, it's amazing how many people I talk to. And they're like, who would you want to meet? They're like, Derek Jeter. That's it. Like, that's, they don't. They don't go back, you know what I'm saying? They don't go back to like we were talking about Kenny Lofton and and you know Mater mm-hmm. Ramirez and no, they're like no Jeter's. And I, I'm trying to figure out is it like a like a Jordan Lebron thing? But it's like it's one of those things where, yeah, it's it, it's if you ask a lot of, of people that were fans of the game, but you they may have gone away from the game. And you ask them who's your favorite player, they'll be like, well, I haven't fallen in a while. But like Jeter's, Jeter's like the guy. Like, and I'm just, yeah. it's just I mean, been I amazing think, to me. I think you're right in that as far as popularity culturally yeah. goes, that it would be that the Jordan LeBron would be the Griffey Jr. Jeter, right? Yeah, it's just like um, the weirdest thing. I would, I would agree with that. And you know what? I think because Derek Jeter is so much, so to speak, like of my time, if you will, like yeah. that if, it was I didn't notice it. I didn't notice it happening, right? Because I, I am I, I am either. exactly 40. Okay. So, you know, I know guys who are in their late 30s who I had no idea that they felt the way they felt about Derek until right. the documentary came out. And I'm like, holy crap. Like yeah. I didn't realize that y'all felt like that about him. And I think that's cool. You mm. know, I I think I think it goes to it goes to that sort of, you know, to America thing mm. where there were people, you know, who were on social media like I didn't know he was black, but you got black people like I knew, you know, <laughs> like, you know, so yeah, I'll say I also think baseball is one of those sports where while you're doing it in real time and let's let's keep it 100, he's a Yankee. So not everybody is you're really riding for the Yankees or you're not like mm-hmm. I think after he retired, there are people like myself that's like, yeah, Jeter was dope. But while he was beating my Orioles <laughs> in 96, I'm like, yo, like this guy, this guy's not all that. Like, you know what I mean? I right. think one of those career arcs where at the end we really did look back and was like, oh, snap. Like we may not see this type of career for one team at one position for a long time but like while he was playing i'm like yeah evil empire you know what i mean like i mean i probably hate a lot in baseball it's a very absolutely absolutely like reflective sport right like when you're living the moment obviously because baseball itself keeps up with history constantly you're documenting the stats but you're not documenting you know cultural impact because that's something that you have to have hindsight for so i i think about it when we have the annual Hall of Fame mm-hmm. ballot discussion, like the discourse, right? Is this guy worthy? Should this guy be in now? And then we immediately have to do what? Reflect on their career. And that's when we start to realize like, oh, maybe this guy wasn't so bad. Or, right. you know, maybe he wasn't as great as we thought he right. was too is often a thing that happened. So it's definitely a sport that lends itself to nostalgia, to memory. What you remember is what you felt about it. So let me let me jump to a place that I want to talk about culture, black culture in baseball as we stand now. This is probably something that you get asked about way too much, but we've made it our mission here at the mixtape to to discuss it and discuss it openly. Um I guess the way I would want to ask you is in your career now, you've you've been seeing a lot. You've been covering a lot. We see these pendulum pendulum swings where, like I said, it seemed like in parts of let's just call it like the parts of the nineties, two thousands, there were still black barbershop conversations about baseball, whether it was Bonds, about Griffey. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then it did seem, outside of some of the Yankee championships, it did seem like. Black culture went away from the game and the game went away from black culture probably for about, I don't know, good 15 years. It was like this abyss. Um, and I think 
in my opinion, we're starting to come out of it. We're starting to see and appreciate some of our black players and seeing more young black players. But you you've been covering the game during this time, and as we go through, like I said, if you're writing in in 2015 to 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 today and doing amazing work, where do you see the relationship between baseball as a sport, black culture, and how we can inter inter interact and interlock and intertwine these two obviously really precious things for us both? Um, I think that. One of the things that I have started to change my mind on is I would constantly come at MLB, right? Like, this is ridiculous. For example, I've talked about how Jackie Robinson Day could be so much better. It could be so different. You know, it could pay more respect to the man than it does to the league. Um, And I think ultimately what has to happen in order for the relationship to be one that functions is that black people, we have to just take charge of what our relationship to the game is gonna be. Um, I don't think we should wait for people to make us, to make space for us, to make us feel welcome. I think we show up. I I, I think that we take space where we feel that we need to be. Um, It's evident that there are plenty of young black men and women playing baseball and softball and they're stars in their own rights. Just look at softball right now. Look at, you know, who's coming up in the ranks in college baseball. There are black people there. And I think we need to, within our communities, support them, support these kids who are young. I said on Twitter a few weeks back, instead of complaining about what's not there, we should support who is. Let's support who is there. Because a lot of the disconnect is representation, right? People say constantly, I didn't see any Black players. The number of Black players started to decline, so I lost interest. But we're not fostering relationships with our young kids, letting them know, like, we are here, we will be here, we will be your audience. So for me, that's where the relationship starts. We have to create our own functioning relationship with the sport. That's not to say that uh, the league itself doesn't need to do better and doesn't have lots and lots of work to do. But I do think for our own sanity, what we can do is if you can afford a game, go. Mm -hmm. By all means, go. Take other people. Take friends who have never been. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I I just think we have to just mold that relationship to be whatever it is that we want it to be. Um, I do my own thing with regard to going to baseball games. I don't really get to go as a fan very often anymore um, because of, you know, I'm working. But when I do go, you know, I go, I don't wear any team colors anymore, obviously. But, you know, I go and I hang out. You're a Guardians fan. Why would you not do that? Well, so I have People take it personal? Yes. Okay. Okay. I get it. I get it. Also, it's so much nicer to chill when you're just in regular clothes and you're not repping a team because no one is asking you like who you're cheering for or sure. um, I and people don't engage me if they don't know that I know baseball. They leave me alone if I'm in regular clothes. But, you know, <laughs> but I do my own thing. I made it my own experience. I think that's mm-hmm. what you have to do. You have to make your own traditions, mm-hmm. um, make it your own anyone not just black people but like anyone you know go and make it your own and mind your business because a part of what makes other people's experiences bad is folks not minding their business Mm -hmm. like i wouldn't know someone was being racist if they just stopped talking you know (laughs) right which is a hard thing to do for not it seems like because i've I've been to a ton of baseball games Mm -hmm. and just public events and people seem to make it their business to tell you exactly how they feel. Even if I don't know you, I'm just like enjoying the game. I think that's really important though, because one of the things that I was always fascinated about is, and and we're going to talk a little bit uh, while we have time, just even about your love of research and your love of history as well. But I remember seeing stats back after Jackie broke the color barrier, the, the attendance in Cleveland. I just finished reading, um, the the our team book outstanding book about Larry Doby and and mm-hmm. you know his integration and Satchel Page and those guys 
And it was like, yo, they had one black player on the team. Cleveland had two black players on the team. And do you know their attendance records were through the roof with black fans that mm-hmm. couldn't, you know, that may not necessarily have the wages every, you know, every day to support it. But I was like, look, if they are selling out Cleveland, one of the biggest stadiums at the time in Cleveland, just to get a glimpse at Larry Doby, and it wasn't like, oh, we don't have enough players. It was just this amazing kind of time period and support amongst our community for the players that did that did play. Mm-hmm. And now today, fast forward it to today, and I the tons of conversations I have where it's like, well, there's just not enough of us playing where I'm not interested. And I'm like, but no, you have players on teams, yeah. even if it's one. And it's like, it just seems like that attitude of supporting who's there has changed a little bit. And I don't know how we get some of that back, even though we do have, like you said, like you were mentioning, players coming up that will uh, play at, at high levels of baseball in the next couple of years and, and high, I believe higher numbers. Mm-hmm. I think so too. I, I I think the numbers are going to increase. We may not get back to that like golden No, era we're not getting back to the of, 80s. I don't think know, right now. I think there's, there's too much competition too. There's like, well, well well, it's also like there's so many factors, right? I yeah. get people in my mentions on Twitter who I'm like, do you know who I am? Who are like, you know, it, it costs too much. And it's like, well, no shit. But also, also, you can play without the money. Now, I understand that the landscape mm-hmm. of youth sports is absolutely corrupt, right? It is, there's money everywhere. It costs tons to do anything. You got to pay for individual coaching. You got to pay for travel. You got to pay for this. You got to pay for that. But I also think that's where the community comes in. Mm-hmm. That's why when people ask me, what can they do? I'm like, give, pay registration. Mm-hmm. You know, don't let, be a, let a kid play. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you don't have a kid or you have a kid and you can spare it or donate your kid's used equipment gently used equipment because i've heard that there are organizations where kids are sharing equipment or you know kids are having to share masks and things like that and i think we have to just bring back the community aspect of it that's just to everything to life in general we need to bring back the community aspect but that's that's where baseball has gone i think like you said we're going to see some some increase in the next few years. We're already just last season. I was able to watch four or five black starting pitchers on the same day. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. unheard of five years ago. Sure. So we're already seeing change happen. You know, we're making waves. I do think some of it is just getting into the ballpark. I think a lot of it is baseball feels intimidating for folks. Mm. Um, that's why I try not to focus so much of my work on stats. Mm. You are absolutely going to have to engage the casual fan and the semi-casual fan in order for things to grow. So you have to make it an event. You have to, I think about like, have you ever been to a hockey game? No, not an NHL type situation. Okay. So I've gone to many Blackhawks games here in Chicago and the energy is electric okay. what it used to be they weren't good there they had some very foul things happen in the organization okay and fans you know kind of pulled away but for a moment in time it was a vibe and mm. that is what i think major league baseball parks have to lock in on mm. and it's kind of one of the things that i don't think is matched when it comes to wrigley field they have a oh. vibe Okay. If you go to Wrigley, it doesn't matter if the Cubs are losing. The fans are still having a good time. And I right. know people are like, why? Because it has its own, it's an experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think more of the sport needs that. We need to make it about the experience. We need to make it about the fun. You know, not just the numbers, not just, you know, who's batting where. But to to bring people in, I think you have to kind of remove the the nerd element and make it seem cool. Quickly tell me, because we talked about the community aspect. We even talked a little bit about the MLB aspect. I do feel like there's an issue. There's a there's a issue with the way that media covers baseball, especially mm-hmm. in 2023. Do you think there's a 
kind of a media not responsibility or obligation but do do you think media could do better overall when we talk about you know how to uplift and engage and talk about things that are happening in the sport sure i mean there's always going to be room for progress mm. i think some of the media complaints could simply be boiled down to where where are you getting your information from um and i know this is very hard for a lot of folks and I speak as someone who literally works in traditional media, right? Yeah. I work for a major newspaper, but it's about intention. And when you read stories from folks who lack cultural awareness, you're mm. going to see that in the story. Mm. You're going to see those miscues. You're going to have stories like, I will use this as an example. I am not talking about anyone in particular, mm. but it's a thing that is very common is, when non-Black writers cover Black athletes, they often source their trauma, right? Mm -hmm. So we're not talking about this player and who they are as a person. We go back to who did you see die? What sort of mm -hmm. dire situation mm -hmm. was your family in? Mm -hmm. Whatever. And it's not that I don't think those events contribute to who we are as people individually. I just don't think that we should force people to have to relive those moments for an audience. Mm -hmm. And that has become so much of what cultural reporting is, is this person experienced this, I'm going to talk about it. And against all odds, this person is rich and famous and <laughs> excelling at their sport. When, you know, maybe we should talk about why this guy collects fish right. or, you know, why this this athlete is deeply into photography. I just think there's so much more to be told. And that is, again, where are you getting your your, your work? Who are you reading? Um, are you looking for people who are thoughtful? Um, you know, and some of that, I think, has changed over the last few years. Um, when I started, I had a bunch of criticism for media. So I wrote the stories that I wanted to read. Mm. And other people followed mm -hmm. and I don't you know go around taking credit for like changing anything but I will definitely say that I've had impact on the baseball writing landscape as it pertains to culture no, um, go, ahead, go ahead and take credit go ahead and take credit you good you good, you good with us you good with us over here because that's important and you don't yeah. and you don't think a lot of people don't even think about it but if they see a bio piece on Clayton Kershaw and they see a bio piece about Tim Anderson the the that that source trauma you talk about mm -hmm. is extremely like it may be a two two or three throwaway line about oh tell me about your parents on the cursor article and it could be like columns about columns about about whoever it is like but it's mm -hmm. it's I do think it's an interesting thing that people unless they see it because I know I'm thinking in my mind that journalist that's writing that piece is like oh I got some really good stuff here you know mm -hmm. really excited about it but unless they see it and deliver it in a way that is uh that is different than you know like everything else we talk about leagues being copycat leaves but if you're striking a chord when nobody else is striking a chord somebody's gonna look at that and either say i want to do more of that or see something that they like hadn't seen before and was like oh i want to do that yeah. so i i think girl go ahead I and think think the <laughs> well i think like something i've noticed and i'm going off on like a bit of a writing oh, no, it's fine. when it's it comes fine. to interviewing people is i talk to young people right i'm talking about people who are high school age mm -hmm. college age and they often will come into an interview with their shoulders up to their ears because they have school they have sports they mm -hmm. have the interview they're doing with me right and the first thing or one of the first things i should say is that i'm not here to talk about bad things that happen to you we're not going to get into that and you should see the way they physically relax mm. because i don't want to talk about things that make you uncomfortable mm. now if in the course of the conversation they naturally go that direction fine whatever but for the but I'm not going to ask and I'm not going to pick and I'm not going to because I like to see people as people fully and not just this event that happened to them. And I and hopefully, you know, 
cultural writing will get a little better. But it, but in sports, you know, there's so few writers who are A, writing culture, and B, who are non-white. I think, you know, many people saw those numbers that came out maybe a month ago, a month and a half ago, where it was like 1% of sports writers were Black. Mm -hmm. And then, so imagine, out of the 1%, how many of them are women? You can probably name, right. You can probably Uh name most Black women sports writers. So a lot of that comes into it. Where you're reading, who you're reading, you know, um, I think people should go look for things that they find to be more thoughtful. And a lot of that work is going to be found in indie places. Let me ask you this, because you, you alluded to it, and I, and I want to I ask about it while we have a little bit of time left. Even today, like even if we're looking at this season, like I said, you're, you've won awards now. <laughs> look, 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 you've been on the beat for a while. You've won awards now. You're at the Chicago Tribune. What is your experience like now? covering baseball as a black woman, like you said, that, that less than 1% of sports writers, what has your experience been? How is, you know, people, organizations, players, how do you feel like they've responded to you as being someone that covers the game and covers the game as good as anyone else? Um, It's been mostly positive, to be mm. honest. Um, I have... You know, I've gone on beats where there are no women regularly and the guys are extremely welcoming, mm-hmm. um, extremely welcoming, even, you know, from the writers to the players, uh, people from the organization will often stop by just to say hello, introduce themselves. Um, I have found that, you know, a couple of players will be like, I've actually never been interviewed by a black woman before. Mm-hmm. And they think that's so cool, you know, that that they're getting that experience with me. And, you know, I feel the same way. Like um, it's, it's, there's been a lot of mutual respect. Um, It's, it's always surprising to be somewhere and, you know, someone say my name, like they know my name or they tell me something they've read about me. Like that will never get old. I have this like childlike enthusiasm when people are like, Oh my God, I read, Mm-hmm. this thing that you wrote whatever and i it just so the 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 vibes are good but again back to my very early point is i think that it's because i just come across as like everybody's homegirl like mm-hmm. everyone knows that i'm just here to do my job i don't really want to be in your business unless it relates to my job mm-hmm. you know and otherwise like we're all gonna get along and let, let's have some fun when i'm in the press box i'm usually cracking jokes Mm. Um, all the other writers would be very serious baseball writers and I'm like did you guys see that like you know (laughs) you'd mentioned Wrigley as one of your favorite places to to watch a game who are who are some of your favorite athletes you've covered uh baseball wise who as you kind of go through and look back who who are some of the folks that are like oh man that's that's a cool cover uh well I don't I do like features mm-hmm. and profiles, so mm-hmm. I don't really cover anyone. Okay. But people, favorite people I've written about generally, obviously, I TA mm-hmm. gave me one of my favorite pieces, Lost for Words, when he was suspended mm-hmm. uh, for dropping, you know, the mm-hmm. the slang in word, I must specify. Okay. Like, TA was, that, that was a good one. Um, Marcus Stroman's reaction to the do-rag piece is still to this day one of the most epic things. I don't know if you're familiar no, with tell it. The story. Tell the story. Tell I follow Stro <laughs> all over the place, but tell the so, story so the kids so the people know. So this story came out in I wanna say July 2021. Mm-hmm. Um or maybe it was August 2021. Either way, it was the summer of 2021. And um, Stro was on the Mets. And I was sitting on my couch and I just randomly got this idea. I wonder how well does Marcus Stroman pitch in the do-rags? Because I noticed that he coordinates his do-rag with his uniform. You know, you got to coordinate it. And... 
and it just was it was a weird idea so yeah. i sat i got on youtube because mlb posts old games on youtube and i got on youtube and i looked up all of marcus Stroman's starts going back to i think it was like 2017 2018 with the blue jays and i just watched the beginning and the end of every single game. I just sat at my, I did it all in one sitting, just sat mm. at my desk. And um, <laughs> and I contacted this editor, Sarah Ziegler. She was at uh, 538 at the time. And I was like, what do you think of this story that I, and she thought it was cool. This mm. Marcus Stroman do-rag, how well does he pitch? I'll talk a little bit about culture in it. Mm-hmm. I had never done it before. I got help from Jen Ramos, um, and they uh, made sure that my numbers were good because I am not a math person. Mm-hmm. I am a words person. So anyway, this piece goes online, and the internet goes crazy, and I'm very pumped. Like, hell yeah, people love it. You know, like, it's always right. good you when got, you have you this, one. like, you got a weird you idea. Got a right? You're like, oh, that was a banger. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> And it caught on, and um, Clayton Yates, who I'm sure you know, yeah, he's been um, on the show. He's been on the show, right? Into the show, yeah. He talked about it on Around the Horn, and but oh, when he was on amazing. Around the Horn, I was sitting at a bar with my friend. So Yates is on the screen that's while surreal. we're at the bar, and he's talking about me. That's crazy. So I'm, sitting there and I look at my friend and my friend looks at me and we have to find the video because we couldn't hear it well. Yeah. And um, luckily he posted it on Twitter. We got it. We sent it to my family. Everyone's going crazy. They're talking about Shaquille on ESPN y'all, right? Like it's just nuts. So a week later because my editor, she published it on a Stro start. Mm -hmm. So he was pitching that day. A week later, well, you know, five days. His next pitch, his next start, he had read it and he changed his do-rag to orange because it was the one color I did not have enough data for. He had only worn orange one time. And people have been tweeting him, telling him, you got to wear orange, you got to wear orange, switch to orange, right? He goes out, he pitches orange do-rag. My phone is blowing Oh, that's crazy. Because once again, I am not in front of the TV. And like, I'm at a bar. Why am I always at bars? I'm at a bar and I'm like, turn on the game, turn on the Mets game. And um, my battery died from all of the like tweets and like texts or whatever. So the Mets won that game. Stro quote tweets me with a picture of himself walking off the mound in the orange do-rag. That's all the response I needed. Like, that's crazy. That that's he crazy. Read it, yep. He saw it. He took in the data and he oh. gave me something else. That's crazy. That's an amazing, amazing story. Where I know we're coming up on your time. Let me, let me, let me ask this, and I'll, and I'll get you out of here because this has been so much fun. I, I would love to do it again. And we've got to talk. We haven't even talked about all the cool people you've you've been able to spend time with. Uh, on your podcast, uh, there's hidden figures. I know you had Paskin on ballpark figures. Ballpark figures. I'm sorry, hitting no. the slip <laughs> of the. Uh, it's okay. I'm from, I'm from Virginia, so you know that all that whole story. It's my, it's my life story. <laughs> um, ballpark figures. I know you had Paskin on uh, just recently. You had so I, I think I tweeted like, "Look, I got to go ahead. I don't know what this is fully, but I had to go subscribe just so I could watch this on YouTube to make sure." I think you were nice enough to also say it, it'll come on in a couple couple weeks later. <laughs> um, but no, if you could spend some time, write a feature. You're a feature writer in that sense, and you're intersecting, like I said, baseball and culture. Any person living or dead, you could write a feature on. Who do you write? Who do you write about and why? Any person living or dead and... That's a baseball related feature. Okay, right? I'm like, yeah, wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be like, yeah, yeah, let's let's keep it to the let's keep it to the doc. Mm-hmm. I've already written about Reggie Jackson, so I can't say him. Reggie is a social media savant. That you've seen his Instagram. <laughs> There's Reggie bars all over. He's like kicking it with all kinds of people. I'm like Reggie, what yeah. is going on, Reggie? 
Yeah, Reggie. Reggie knows what's up. Like, yeah, Reg, Mr. October how to advertise himself. He, knows he is all over. Like his gram. Like if you're not following, that's a gym. If you're not following Reggie Jackson's gram, I think so. I'm gonna I'm gonna do something a riff off of that. So I don't know. I'm assuming you've watched the Reggie Jackson documentary. I have not. It you is on my list. I haven't done it. Yeah. It is very good. It is okay. far more serious than I anticipated. Okay. Um, so prepare for that. They do okay. talk about like issues of race, which I was like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen some clips. Mm-hmm. Well, there is this part where he is sitting with Dave Stewart. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're chatting about because you know, Dave Stewart grew up watching Reggie and like he he like encountered him as a kid. Yeah. Anyway, a fun cool deep story that i think would be awesome is just about that little pocket of oakland baseball like about the impact of the oakland a's on black kids in that area wanting to play baseball um i don't live in oakland i no, but i feel like you said it's a great story i feel like you've given me an alley-oop in the sense just only because just recently, less than two, when when they announced that they were, um, you know, they had signed and moved the team to Vegas, I actually had Dave Stewart and Bip Roberts on mm-hmm. our IG live, and we were able to have a, a conversation. And it was, you know, we had them on for about a, a good little while, but it was, you know, you can only ask so many questions about Oakland moving, and mm-hmm. then you really talk. They so they talked for probably about forty minutes about. Growing up in Oakland, Oakland baseball. Dave Stewart is a unique uh, Oakland native in the sense that when he when he got to Oakland, he there's two different parts of Oakland where he basically both of them claimed him. So when I don't know if you saw the you read the Ricky Henderson book with uh, Howard mm-hmm. Bryant, so you know the map at the beginning, one of the mm-hmm. coolest maps ever. Um, but there was arguments about where to place Dave Stewart on the map. Because so many people in Oakland claim Dave Stewart. He played high school. He played youth league somewhere in high school somewhere else in Oakland. It was a big deal. But I think that's an amazing, amazing feature. I mean, I think it would be very cool because I think it's a story that's not touched on in a in a way in which people can digest, right? Because I think mm. people don't read. Sorry, <laughs> I'm a writer, but people don't read. And I have found that like if you can put enough information that people go searching for more in yep. a good you know, 2,000, 2,200 word piece, anything longer than that, you tend to lose your audience mm-hmm. unless they're like me and they're just a reader. Mm-hmm. But I think something like that would be great. And I hope no one listening to this steals my idea because I will come find <gasps> you. Look, look, I know you got to go. Shakia, tell me, look, when is the book coming? What, what's the book <laughs> and when's the book coming? I know, look, that's what we always, that's the question that writers hate and everybody asks a writer, when's, 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 the, when's the book or when's the book coming? Um, I don't know when the book is coming. I can say because she's going to listen. I do have an agent. So Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So she she will listen to this and probably laugh that you asked me that. So I look if you are if there are people who are interested in reading a book from me, let me know. Like Absolutely. I mean I I need need to know there's an audience. There's an audience there. People tell me. There is definitely an audience. We have to let you go. This has been a pleasure and an honor. Thank you so much. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. You, I know you said you're not on Twitter that much, but your Twitter comments, look, 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 look. every once in a while, I'm like, ooh, is she joking? I don't know. Look, is she mad? Is she joking? I don't know. I don't know how to play this. So I'm just going to, but now that I've, I've I've been able to see you and, and interact with you, we'll even, I'll, I'll I'll, I'll be able to look less hesitant to fire off. So. Oh, yes. Yes, I am. I am also baseball Twitter's Daria uh, because people don't understand my tone. Like, listen to how I talk. So if you listen to how I talk and you hear my voice, now you understand my tweets, right? right? Well, there, like, but there's also there's some there's some checks in there. Don't let let's 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 be clear. You check a couple people every once in a while. And I'm just like, look, I don't want to be on the wrong side of that. You know what I'm saying? Look, I really, from the bottom of my heart, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for please, having me. Yeah, please keep up doing your amazing work. Everybody, uh, where can they follow you? They follow you on Twitter and Instagram, all that? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. I am at Curly Fro. I'll be there until someone at Twitter HQ trips over the cord and unplugs the app. 
Um, and I'm also at Instagram at a little bit of dope. Are there, are um, there stories behind these names? Because neither well, one of them are Shakira Taylor. So Curly Fro, I've had Curly. So I actually was on Twitter very early. Yeah. I created an account in like 2007, but I didn't start using it until 2009. Oh. Um, and at the time, I did have a curly afro. Um, and um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. And yeah, then yeah. Instagram. A little bit of I dope. Don't, I'm a little bit of dope because a young woman has curly fro and I could not have it. So I had to pick something else. And I will say, as I say every time I mention this, don't look her up unless you are an adult over 18 because her content is not suitable. Very. Very, very last thing, because you mentioned it as well, and I want to ask, if there's an uh, album that you recommend people listen to today, what is that album? What is, what are the, who's that artist today? They're listening today. Mm, Today. So um, I haven't been listening to music the last couple of weeks because I've been in a in a mood. But I will say prior to that, I was really, 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 really digging that new Larry June and Alchemist from top to bottom. I feel like it has to be played straight through. I have not yet it. jumped from song to song. OK, we'll have to leave it there. Alchemist is a legend, as always. And we are. This is a black baseball mixtape. This has been an honor. Until next time, we're out. Mm-hmm.